Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to the off-season edition of the Baby Bowl Podcast. Here with me, Wes Easley, at Loafing It Over on Twitter. And don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. And of course, the daddy of the Baby Bowl, who has taken a nice, resting, relaxational uh, vacation himself. Uh, the daddy of the Baby Bowl is Rob Norton, at Norton0723 over on Twitter. Welcome back to the show, Rob. Thanks, Wes. Thanks, Wes. Yeah, it was. It's been. Uh, it's been nice to get away for a little bit and you know relax a little bit and and uh, enjoy slow down a little bit. Now look, I've been trying to get you back over here, and we've actually tried a couple of different times, and something came up with you, something came up with me. I think yeah, did you go to what Walt Disney World or Disneyland or Disney Place or what? Where'd you go? <laughs> I wish. I wish. No, we went to um, went to Miami. Um, my uh, yeah, my sister and her husband live there and oh. um yeah so it's it's nice to have a have a fun place to go to and uh have have people you know so yeah we uh we flew down on uh last saturday and flew back wednesday um yeah. so yeah it was a nice nice little good. getaway good did, did did you bring me back a t-shirt i forgot i totally I forgot slipped I'm- my mind I'm wearing a Marge. I used to be a medium guy, but I think I got the dad bod now, and I'm in more of a Marge, you know, a medium large kind of a thing. I'm I'm there too, so yeah, it happens, <laughs> happens to us all, I think. Rob, we haven't talked, I don't think, since the Super Bowl, uh, the last week of the Baby Bowl, even that was all wrapped up right there, and and uh, you know, one of the things that really made me mad is that we haven't talked since then because. I know, I know how well I did that last week, Rob. I know where I finished. I know, and I'm kind of mad at whoever it was that finished ahead of me by like just a little bit. I thought I had all my eggs in the basket of the Los Angeles Rams, and they ended up beating me by a couple of points. I don't know who it was anymore, Rob, but I know I finished second, which I don't know that either one of us have ever finished number one in the Baby Bowl. I, I don't know if you've ever taken the first place trophy. I don't know if I've taken the first place trophy in a week, but uh, I, I was really close this last time. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I have finished first on a single week all all two years, including playoffs. So, yeah, that's a that's a goal for next season. One of us got to take a week down. No, oh, it's, it's definitely going to happen. It's a challenge between the two of us. I, <laughs> I will take a week down next year. I will do it. I and I should have done better in the Baby Bowl playoff edition this season, Rob. But but I, you know, that one week where I had to run a bread route or whatever it was that I was doing, and I was talking to myself inside the bread truck, and I ended up talking to myself into Randall Cobb, or I believe it was, <laughs> or something. I didn't even look at the weather in in uh, Green Bay that week, or I didn't factor in the weather. I knew it was going to be cold, but I didn't factor in how terribly cold it was going to be, and, and so it just. It blew up my whole chances of taking down the entire Baby Bowl playoffs. Really interesting uh, uh, game if you haven't played that. and something you need to look forward to and start thinking about signing up for right now is the Baby Bowl next season. And, Rob, we're still going to put that on. We're still going to do that, right? Everything is full go for next season? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll probably start after basically once once the Scott Fishbowl drafts really start and kind of wrap up. That's kind of when when I'll get going. It seems to be around that time that, you know, everyone starts getting really, really excited and ramped up for football. Um, and not only that, but, you know, people are all looking forward to that and focused on that. So I don't want to try to, sure. there's no way I can compete with that anyway. So um, I, uh, I definitely am going to wait till right around then, probably sometime mid June, July, whenever that, you know, gets wrapped up, I'll, I'll start really ramping that up a little bit. 
Well, don't sell yourself short. There's been many an envious person of how about how many people signed up for and are participating in the Baby Bowl, Rob. You're doing very, very well with the Baby Bowl signups. And and listen, just to let everybody know, Rob doesn't take a penny of this stuff. He donates half of it to charity, and the other half goes into the prize pool. And if he happens to win one week, he donates the, his entire winnings over to me. I believe that's what our agreement is, Rob. Is that right? I think so. I think it's in the fine principle. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's what you do. And uh, go over. And what are the charities again that you do? Uh, Ashley's Embrace and March of Dimes. March of Dimes, and then the other charity I think last year was Coop de Fiasco. Is what that was, or it, it, it may have been uh, Max as well. It may have been Max as well, our friend. So there was a lot of different winners last year, and we always have the winners on each and every week on this show just to talk about their lineups and the lineup going forward, and that's really fun too. We got to talk to a lot of different people, and one of the things that we that you did at the end of the year too, Rob, was you sent a survey out to people about things that maybe they would change. I don't know. It's hard for people to find time to, to fill out surveys. I, I hope you got some uh, returns on those, though. Did, did, was there anything that stood out from you? To uh, Was there anything that stood out from the replies to you about the Baby Bowl and what things might be able to be changed? Um, so I did get back some, some responses. I appreciate everyone who took the time to you know fill it out and everything, and hoping that more people will, I didn't want to, you know, keep bugging people with it, but, um, sure. I'll probably, you know, um, probably end up, uh, kind of reaching out to people who haven't and, uh, seeing if they'll be willing to fill it out. But, but yeah, so I think there was 42 people who filled it out. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, I asked, you know, different questions like, what are your favorite aspects, what are your least favorite aspects you plan on playing next year, if you didn't play this year, um, or which ones did you participate in both, just one or the other. Um, you know, some people, it stuck out like uh, some people were more interested in the playoff just because they had so many leagues going on in the regular season. Um some people just, you know, said they ha- didn't know about it, so a lot of them will be participating in the regular season. So that's that's nice to hear. Um, but yeah, the honestly, the the overwhelming responses were pretty much just that they really like how it is and they want to keep it the same. Um, okay. So I mean, there was there was there was uh, out of the forty two responses, let's see, seven said to add a kicker. Eight said to add a defense. Six said to add a, another wide receiver. Eight said to add another flex. Um, six said to add a super flex. So kind of really varied across the board. And then it was 19 of them said to just keep it how it is. Yeah. So now, Just thinking about some of those responses, just think it out loud. <laughs> There's not a right answer. We, uh, we trust you right, with right. all this, uh, Rob, uh, to be able to call because we know how deep of a thinker you are, and we know how precious the baby bowl is to you. And, of course, uh, you mentioned Scott Fish, and he kind of changes things up maybe a little bit each and every year, just tweaks it a little bit. And I think that's some of the things that you're thinking about doing, too, just keeping it fresh for everybody who does participate in the baby bowl. And to think about doing a super flex, I already think about how – that the player pool gets shrunk. It feels like pretty mm-hmm. quick, especially towards the end of the year. And I know injuries kind of give you a, an ability to go for that backup running back or the backup quarterback, but that doesn't always plan out, play out that, that week, whatever it does end up happening. To me, the natural solution maybe to extend 
to to expand the player pool because if there's anything that I would like more of is more choices. I don't know why I like choices. I, I actually do better whenever <laughs> there's less choices. But for me, one of the things I think I wrote down there was to put a defense or a tight end to kind of give you the option of whether or not you want to play a defense or a tight end because I think that the scoring is just about the same there for a defense or tight end, especially after you exhaust the Travis Kelseys of the world, the Mark Andrews of the world. All of a sudden now you have more choices to be able to get but eight to ten points uh, you know <laughs> right yeah and it it's 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 definitely interesting uh, it's something i've been thinking about as well and you know i thought about it in terms of like also the the one thing that I, when i thought about a super flex because i know i know people automatically associate super flex with 2qb because that's right. generally generally how it goes the nice thing about it is or the nice thing I was thinking about if we did add the super flex would be that while yes, you're, you're adding another starting spot each week and it will, it will thin out the QB pool. The QB pool is the one that's the deepest anyways. And then on top of that, you don't have to use the QB. You can use any other position, mm-hmm. like say at the end of the, cause I know one of the things that happened to me at the end of the year was I kind of had extra wide receivers and running backs. I didn't, I didn't use up, guys as much as i expected i was going to sure and so then i did have a couple guys left at the end of the year that i was like oh man i wish i would have played them um so that is one one thing i thought about but yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure honestly what i want to do yet i'm i'm hoping like i said i'm hoping to get some more responses um after i reach back out to everyone in a in a month or so and maybe i'll get some more responses it might give give some more things to bounce bounce ideas off of Good plan. And and I wanted to go over some of the baby bowl strategies. And that's one of the things I think we tried to emphasize each and every week was to play them if you got them, right? Don't hold on mm-hmm. to anybody. Don't wait until you see that perfect, juicy matchup because a hamstring may go out. A, a MCL may be torn. You may not have that matchup that you wanted to have because the player ends up on the injured list or just doesn't play that week or whatever it is. And, and Rob, there's so many different factors whenever you think about football. Maybe the quarterback goes down and you're waiting to play that wide receiver. Well, that matchup isn't going to be as strong anymore. So for me, going into next season, one of the things I'm going to do, and I don't, I, I, I have a tough time in the baby bowl holding on to players or I, I guess not playing players and holding on to them, like trying to save something, trying to save some bullets in the, in the gun <laughs> if I need them. Uh, and I'm not going to, I'm going to try my best not to do that next year. I'm going to try to play them. If I got them, I know we, we always stress that each and every week, but it's hard. It goes contrary to what you want to do. Yeah, definitely. That's and that's the thing that I was, uh, you know, every week we we talked about it. Play play your studs, play your studs, play your studs. You don't know how long you you'll have them until they get hurt. Um, and I was looking back a little bit today, kind of looking back at my uh, the guys I played each week, and I I didn't use McCaffrey until week three, and <laughs> in and that was the week he got hurt. So it was like, had I would had I just said okay i'm gonna use him week one or two he you know he had big games those weeks so it's it is definitely something that i'm gonna make even more i i mean i'm pretty i think i'm pretty good about playing my uh studs for the most part um especially because i preach that so much there is times where i get a little get a little cute and i mean i'm still gonna do the i'm still a big proponent of the uh of the the backup running back when you can just because you got to play you know 34 of them throughout the year but 
other than that, I mean, I'm I'm gonna really, really make a concerted effort to play, you know, the top plays every single week that I can. Uh, I'm going to make a concerted effort to not play Joe Flacco if I have the <laughs> opportunity, unless he's got a really good matchup, then I'll play him. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. You can't you can't uh, you can't uh, not play your guy. Well, it's good to reminisce a little bit and talk about the Baby Bowl overall winner last year. I was Coop Fiasco, right? Is that is that who it was? It was Coop. Yeah. Yeah, he took down the regular season, took a, um, and he was, he was well ahead of of everyone. I mean, he had two thousand twenty five points, and second place was nineteen fifty seven. Where, and in in comparison, that was like the similar difference between second and like close to eighth or something like that. So he uh, he he well outpaced the field. Okay. All right. And and what about the Baby Bowl playoffs? Who ended up winning that one? I don't know that we uh, ever ever uh, put a bow on that uh, nice little package. That was uh, our guy uh, Shane is the worst. Oh, he, it is. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> he took he took down the whole thing, and then uh, Scott Frankel came in a close second, and um, I believe actually Scott either won or was top two or three in I think it was the Dynasty Vipers playoff challenge that uh, we were or i was in and he was in and uh so he he did really well in the uh postseason challenges okay all right well good good congratulations to all of those players i look forward to the challenge next year with everybody and a little bit later on in this uh, podcast rob i want to pick your brain about best ball draft strategies Okay, because there's uh, best ball is now going to be up and going, of course, because of uh, after the draft, it seems like it's best ball season. Right. So I want to pick your brain about that. And I think that's actually how I came to get to know you is because I kept seeing all the time this annoying guy uh, asking me to be a part of best ball drafts on Yahoo. You know, be a part of my best ball draft, be a part of my best ball on Yahoo. And now there's so many different platforms that do it. So I want to pick your brain a little bit about best ball. And you weren't annoying me at all. I just didn't know how to sign up is what my problem was. (laughs) But before we do that, I know one of the things you love, too, and one of my passions as well is fantasy baseball. And uh, Yahoo, of course, is a preferred site. How many sites do you play baseball? And I, I have a couple that I go and look at, but Yahoo really is the only platform I actually play the fantasy game on. So I play on Yahoo. Um, I also play, I have a couple, um, my, my main home league that I, I really love is an AO only um, auction league that um, we do that one on uh, CBS. Okay. Um, so I play on CBS as well. And then I, also play um, a little bit on Fantrax and then also NFBC. Um, I'm actually in some. Uh, I'm in the Raz Slam on NFBC and then um, also did a uh, Rotor Wire online championship, the Beat Clay Link uh, online championship on on. Uh, it's a cut line, um, and then uh, also joined the um, 50 round draft and hold. With our guys, uh, you know, Mendy, David Mendelson, mm-hmm. um, and those guys over there at Triple Triple Play, uh, they did the Triple Triple Players Ball, and it was basically kind of like a, I think it's, I think it ended up being three leagues that combine into one, and and it's a fifty round draft and hold. So the way it works is you draft fifty rounds, and then there's no ad drops all year. You set your lineup bi-weekly, but you. Yeah. 
Yeah, you you just set it. You set them on Mondays, and then you can reset your hitters on Fridays for the weekend series. Oh. Um, and then, but you can't make any ad drops all year. So those fifty guys that you draft, it's almost like oh. a best ball in a sense, except you do set your lineup. Oh. So, oh. so okay, yeah, well, it's, let's it's let's fun. keep it simple. Let's keep it simple and go over to Yahoo and look yeah. at some under owned <laughs> players. Okay, let's <laughs> let's do that, and maybe some over owned players. Maybe we'll end up running into that a little bit. Uh, as we go along this. So this is, of course, uh, being recorded on Thursday night here, the 5th. Cinco de Mayo, uh, Rob. Is, I don't know. Do you have a favorite uh, Mexican food that you that you like to celebrate on Cinco de Mayo? Are you just a taco guy? Are you a burrito guy? Like, and it's a lot of tamales. I, lo- I love me some tacos and burritos. That's that's for sure. Um, I made sure I didn't do it. I didn't do it authentic uh, today, but I did. Uh, I did get a. Um, like a burrito bowl for lunch. Okay. So I make sure to do a little something. I love a good old burrito bowl. I'll tell you, I, tamales are the things that I love, and I, it's hard for me to find a good tamale. Okay, because yeah. let me just tell you, store-bought tamales are nothing like a good tamale. Not one wrapped in banana leaves, one with the masa wrapped around some chicken and everything. I was in Belize on a mission trip one time. And uh, the 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 house that we went to, they invited us over for lunch the next day, and we went to lunch. And I noticed the day before there were like six chickens running around in the yard, right? And the day we got there for lunch, there were only four. So <laughs> obviously, what we were having for lunch, but she cooked up, she cooked up these these uh, uh, what I, what did I just say they were um what I, tamales tamales, <laughs> and and. So she pulled them out of the steamer, which was a big old pot on the stove. She pulled them out of the steamer. They had the banana leaves. They had the masa stuck in there. It smelled just delicious. It's the first time I had ever had tamales. They had this nice, wonderful hot sauce. Not not Bo McBig Time hot sauce. I was down in Belize. I don't even think they knew about Bo McBig Time at that point. <laughs> but here's the interesting thing. It was on a drumstick. Like the drumstick was still in the tamale. And and I was like a popsicle. It was a popsicle tamale. It was hot, but I'm just saying I could I ate it like that with just the whole drumstick inside the masa. It was wonderful. It, I don't know if I was really hungry or if it was really good. It was fresh. I just know that it was really fresh. <laughs> that does sound good. I, I'm 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 envious. Uh, I was I was I've never I've never had a tamale as good as that one. But hey, uh, Cinco de Mayo, so we're recording it here on Thursday night, and we're looking at some of the players that are underowned. And I, I'm I'm scrolling through here, Rob, as we look this. You have a list though that you already have put together this afternoon. Who did you have on your list of one of the underowned players? And I'll give you one of mine. Um. Okay. So I won't steal your one of your guys. Oh, you, you can know. steal. You can steal. We'll we'll hold off on him. We'll hold okay. off on him. Um, but one of the guys that I'm really big on, I was really big on him preseason too. So I already have him on a lot of teams. Is uh, Tommy Pham. Um, I've been a big fan of his for for a while now, and because he, he, you know, he just has a nice blend of power and speed. And he started out the season extremely slow. I mean, right. he's, he was struggling. He was really struggling to start the year, but he's been turning it on a lot lately. And then, uh, you know, his underlying metrics are, are still looking really good. Um, I think he's 98th percentile on average exit velocity. He's 99th percentile in hard hit percentage. Um, his X slug is 81st percentile. Yeah, the nice thing, too, is his, his plate discipline is so good, too. Um, he walks a lot. So if you're in a, if you're in a, points league you know that that helps that uh, aspect too and 
even in, like I said, in, in um, regular Roto leagues, he's up to 247. And this is despite, I think he was hitting 0-5-0 to start the year. I mean, he was, he was rough the first two weeks and he's got, now he's up to four homers, seven RBIs, 14 runs, a stolen base, 247. The nice part too is he's he's hitting uh, third in that red lineup. I know the Reds are horrible atrocious, right now. They're, yeah, atrocious. <laughs> they're three and twenty-two, I think, at this point. But um, he's been basically like the lone bright spot at this point, and uh, wow. he's uh, he's you know hitting third in that lineup. The 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 park itself is is such a hitter's ballpark, and you know in hitting in that ballpark with his combination of skills. I mean, I, I just like. Uh, what he can give you the rest of the year. Yeah, buyer beware, though, on that, Tommy Pham. And I hear what you're saying about that, and I have an opportunity to pick him up in a league. And uh, just looking at the, the waiver wire here a little bit, or just uh, at, I, I saw where Nick Costellinos, he just hit a home run tonight, but he also is now day-to-day. I don't know, he got hit in the wrist, hit in the forearm. And mm-hmm. I know in one of my leagues I have an opportunity to pick up Tommy Pham, so I'm kind of eyeballing some of that a little bit uh, myself. But I was thinking back to the – schedule that he just had he he just came out of Colorado uh not not too long ago and Milwaukee as well here where they were lighting things up in Milwaukee both great hitter ballparks in, turning mm-hmm. the month of May so when I say Tommy Pham I'm buyer beware I like all the underlying metrics like you said he's really pulling the ball which means he's to me he's kind of selling out for that power he talked earlier in the year about playing for him not for the team he's going to get his stats and I I can like that from a fantasy perspective, not necessarily from a Reds perspective, but what else are they going to play for at this point? So Tommy, Tommy Pham, I like that. I don't know how far we're going down on the percentage, but to me, Noose, Spencer, is that his name? Steven Noose? Spencer Noose? Sheldon Noose? Noose? Yes. Noise? Noise. Noisy. Noisy, it's I think noisy. is how they yeah, say it's it. It's noisy. It's noisy. I knew I'd, I knew I'd butcher that whenever I, I said it. It's funny because it's. I was listening to a podcast earlier, and one of the guys said said noose. The other guy said it was noisy. So they were kind of going back and forth about it. And I think they did settle on noisy. So I, I wasn't one hundred percent sure, but yeah, that's what, that's what I heard. At least what I heard from the podcast earlier. Yeah, it is noisy. He's fifty one percent owned, and there might be some playing time issues. Uh, whenever Loriano comes back, is that his name? Loriano, the guy who's suspended with uh, drug stuff right now. Yeah, uh, performance Ramon enhancing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he he might be coming back. So uh, news, but he news plays uh, second and third. Uh, news, no noise, noisy, noisy. <laughs> plays second and third base, eligible. So not really there, but maybe the DH thing. But he's fifty one percent owned, and I like his stats. A three thirteen batting average. Uh, whenever I've looked at it, I've not been blown away by his stuff. But the Oakland Athletics really have an lineup that's that's built to score. And if you're in need of RBIs, I think he's a good source of RBIs, Rob. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I actually wrote Sheldon Noisy down on my list as well. Um, okay. He's been a he's been a really pleasant surprise for for that team. Um, that offense, that lineup. When you look up and down it, it is, it's it's another yeah. one where you look at it and you're like, I don't know if these guys are accountants or baseball players, but um, <laughs> they they uh, they they always surprise the Oakland Athletics. Always do every year. Um, now. The nice part about him too is he has a little bit of speed. It looks like too, because I mean he's already stolen three bags, and like you said, he's hitting three thirteen. Um, he uh, the other part that's really really nice is he's playing every day and batting second in the lineup, pretty much every day. So right. you know that's a that second spot is is a prime spot to be able to get a little bit of everything, RBIs, runs, and the guy hitting in front of him. A lot of people a lot of people 
don't really know, but Tony Kemp is, you know, he's he's an unheralded kind of guy, but he's a he's an on base guy. He has a really good plate discipline, so and he can run a little bit. So if he gets on base at a decent clip, like you said, Noisy's going to have a, a chance at a, a few RBIs. Yep, yep, I agree. So I like that guy. Uh, who else you got there? Your turn. So another guy that has been hitting really well lately is Max Kepler, and he's at. 48% last I checked on Yahoo. Um, so this is a guy, another, another guy that I've liked for a little while now. He's seems to have like all the tools and it's just, he's, he's been getting be- a little bit better and better over the years. I mean, last year, his, his batting average and his batting average is always a little bit of a, an issue. Um, I think last year he hit 211. Um, right now he's hitting 240. Um, over the last two weeks, he's hitting 289 with four homers, nine RBIs, and five runs. So he's he's heating up a little bit. Um, he has a good plate plate discipline as well. And if you go to his savant page as well, I mean everything's red. So I mean he's he's hit, he's also hitting pretty much in the middle of that order most days, all, nearly every day. And the Twins are. They're not as good a lineup as they were a few years back, but they're still a pretty pretty solid lineup. So Kepler's a guy that you know he can he can help out in a lot of categories across the board. Uh, average is the only thing that might take you give you a little hit, but average is down across the league, so I'm I'm not too worried about it. Past history too. It, there's there's a lot of pink. There's not a lot of red. There, but there's not a lot of blue, which is always positive. And then whenever mm-hmm. you see a, a, a savant page light up with all that red, and then you also couple that with the manager coming out and saying that Max Kepler has a different approach to the plate this year, which is one of those things that I see. It seems like he's being more aggressive at the plate than than. Uh, you talked about his plate discipline. He just seems to be more aggressive. His exit velocity is up. He's striking out a little bit more. His walk rate is is going up too. And that's one of those things. Whenever I look at, it, I'm just like, okay, so this guy is see ball, hit ball now. You know, if it's in his spot, he's gonna see the ball. He's gonna hit the ball. Hit, uh, where's the barrel? Where's his barrel percentage? Right there at 82 percent, uh, tile. So that's that's good. That's up 10 points from even last year and a bunch from years prior too. So I like it. Whenever I see a lot of red from a lot of pink that means the guy's up and coming yeah definitely and you and like you said if you um you know check his percentile rankings on on savant and you see it year to year it just looks like pretty much steady improvement and you know starting all even back 2018 i think it was he's been basically red or pink pretty much in all plate discipline metrics and it's just been a matter of at that point uh, so you so I love seeing guys that have great plate discipline because it shows to me that they have an understanding first of the of the zone and second of what they're being able to see, you know, how, how they're seeing the ball. So at that point, it's a it's, you know, only minor tweaks from that point. It feels like for a guy to, you know, lift lift the ball a little bit more, change the launch angle a little bit and, um, you know, add some add some muscle just make minor adjustments and and they can take off from there. So Kepler's long been a guy and it seems like it's starting to pay off right now. So hopefully you can keep that up. So I was hunting the next great shortstop because in a dynasty keeper league that I took over, uh, you're you're gonna hate me for this because you're you're <laughs> one of those guys, man. And I'm I'm one of those guys who says, ah, I can get somebody else. I, I traded. I traded um 
Oh boy, this is gonna, this is gonna be hard because you know how it's tough for me to pull stuff out of the old memory banks. I, I can tell you who I traded, and I can tell you the other pieces maybe later because I can't remember them right now. Um, I traded Wander Franco, okay, Dynasty okay. Keeper League, okay, and Wander Franco. Uh, I traded him in return. I got Castellinos, I got Schwarber, and I got Varsho. Okay, from from Arizona, if I said his name right. So I okay. got those three guys. And now keep in mind, this year, the team I took over was in last place. The roster I saw was terrible, terrible. My bright spot is Austin Riley in the entire lineup. Very big bright spot. But other than that, nothing. I'm rebuilding. I'm rebuilding the whole getting caboodle. Okay? And so I needed bats. And, and for me, what I'm trying to do right now this year is I'm trying to get it to the 500 point of all the rankings here in this in this Roto League. I'm trying to get it to the 500 point, and then I can go up from there. Well, mission accomplished, but I kept getting these text messages and these crazy trade offers for, for Austin Riley. And one of the guys texted me and, and he said, well, I assumed you just wanted to trade that guy because you like trading young talent. And I, I said, oh, really? Young talent? Then it, it's the it's the guy. What's the guy's name for Minnesota that's on the injured list with the Kirloff? Kirloff is his name, right? Kirloff, yeah. Alex, Kirloff. I said, yeah, I hated to trade Kirloff in that deal, but I had to make it. You know, this guy, I knew he was talking about Wander <laughs> Franco, but, you know, I, I had to get that in return. And one of the guys I picked up off the waiver wire, because I think that I can maybe not replace Wander Franco, but I can I can get somebody close. And it was Jose Pena was his name. Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena is who it is from the Houston Astros. That shortstop over there. And, Rob, whenever you look at his Savant page, lots of red on there, especially for a young guy, 24 years old, first year in the league, a rookie like that. I love his outs above average, 97 percentile. Sprint speed is 96. And right now he's doing very, very well, I believe, for a young guy. 14 runs scored, five home runs, 14 RBIs, hitting only 229. I'm hoping that comes up a little bit. That's nowhere near Wando Franco-esque. But I still think that he's going to do pretty well. And he is only, let's see, how old is he? 52% rostered still for Jeremy Pena. That probably speaks more of the depth of the shortstop position than it does his abilities. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is the shortstop position, it's so tough because there's so many good guys. But I do think Pena is someone that should be rostered in more leagues. Um, it's funny, too, because early early in the draft season or even even late in the draft season, early, early in the year, I kind of wasn't really on Pena too much. Um, I was thinking, you know, I, I, from from some things I had read, he was a little bit more glove first, but I wasn't I wasn't real, you know, familiar with him. But at one of our drafts, one of my buddies was really big on him and got him really cheap in that AL auction I was talking about. And I he he said to me he was surprised that I didn't bid further up on him, and and I kind of just like brushed it off and didn't really think anything of it and I'm, I'm definitely regretting it now the more i the more i see out of him because like you said it's he's got 91st percentile barrel percentage um the max ev 75th percentile sprint speed 96th percentile so he's definitely a guy that looks like he you know is going to be a really good player um yeah. especially you know and he only has one one steal but that 96 sprint speed he could yeah. take more if he wants. I, I I think a little bit of it, you know, I've heard a lot of guys talk about how intent is really the key thing. Sprint speed is kind of secondary. Sprint speed just shows that a guy's capable of it. The intent and the team philosophy is the the main thing. But Houston seems to kind of, you know, maybe about three, four years ago, they've started holding guys back on the bases, it seems yeah. like. 
Altuve's, I mean, some of it's aging, but Altuve's numbers have come down. Tucker didn't, hasn't stolen as much as, you know, people expected. George Springer, when he was coming up to the minors, he was a 30-30 guy for them, and he came up and he didn't really run a lot. So I, I, Correa didn't run a lot before he left. So I wonder if it's a team, like a team-wide philosophy thing. Um, but Pena could definitely be a guy that steals you 15-plus bags, and it looks like he might possibly have the power to you know hit 25 homers so if he can be a 25 15 guy and you know probably good 80 80 runs 80 rbis in that good lineup then i mean that's that's a great roto line yeah yeah and and it is a good (laughs) yes and definitely in dynasty too as we sit here and talk about it i think about trading him too if i can get something for him so (laughs) shortstop steep man shortstop steep it is Uh, all right, give me one more, and I got one more for you. You can steal mine if you want it. Um, I won't steal yours. I'll, I'm gonna lump. I'm gonna lump two guys in here um, because they're okay. basically two real similar guys, and it's Michael King and Clay Holmes, oh. the reliever, relievers for the Yankees. Yeah. Um, I mean, both of those guys have just been incredible. I mean, um, both of them are kind of swing. King is more of a swing guy than. Uh, that Holmes has been um, King seems to go multiple innings almost every time out. I think his recent one yesterday, he went three innings scoreless with three K's on the year. He's uh, 17 and two thirds. I think he's only let up one run and, but he has a 0.51 ERA 0.74 whip, 25 K's two wins and a save. Anytime you're, you're pitching, you know, multiple innings in the back end of the bullpen, you're going to have a chance at wins and saves. And then, Clay Holmes, kind of the same kind of thing, except I think he's been going mostly mostly one inning each time out. He goes one and a third, but he's also sitting with a 0.69 ERA, 0.85 WHIP, 13 Ks and 13 innings, and he's he's vultured two wins and two saves himself. So um, those those kind of guys, I kind of like uh, you know going after those those guys, especially you know if you don't have if you don't have if you're in a deeper league and you don't have um, many good starters to stream. You pick up these guys, let them uh, let them sit in your lineup, and you know any given day they can give you a couple innings of scoreless ball, give you a couple a few Ks, and you know by the end of the year that racks up. So it's it's nice to have. Yeah, and and for a little while I was worried about Orlando Chapman maybe keeping his job. I know it's his job to keep until he falls off. I didn't know. His arm looked a little bit more stretched out now than what it did at the beginning of the season. And we all know he has the injury history a little bit, especially as he's gotten older in age. Um, and I appreciate, I, th- I think it all came from the year he he played with the Cubs. It seems like since then he's kind of gone downhill. And I, I, listen, Chapman, I appreciate everything you did for us, man. And you took the, you took the rock many a time for us that year and you brought home a championship, but, and you will never have to buy a sandwich in Chicago again. Uh, but <laughs> I thought, you know, Chad Green was always the guy, it seemed like was the next guy up. But this year, mm-hmm. Chad Green has kind of slipped off a little bit of 312 ERA, uh, 0.88 whip, and he seemed to be untouchable in years past. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. He's got 348 and a 135 ERA. That was last year's 312 and 88. So uh, this year, it just seems like he's past and beyond what he's been able to do. Only 10 strikeouts, too, for Chad Green in 10 innings. He's 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 more of a one-and-a-half strikeout to Per, per inning guy to me, you know, instead of just a, just a one, a measly one. Yeah. You know, it's funny because that's the thing I love about these guys too, is that 
you don't ha- you don't have to invest in them any any draft capital in the beginning of the year. I mean, there's there's a few guys that kind of I mean, like you said, Chad Green was kind of one of those guys that had been consistent for a couple of years. But every year, every single year, there's these all these pop up guys um, that come out of nowhere. Like, and I had tweeted out actually maybe a, a few weeks ago that some of my favorite guys that become these kind of guys that are just locked down relievers are these kind of like failed starters that burned out a little bit and they may have, you know, good enough one or two, one or two pitches that are great, but they don't have that full arsenal to go five, six, seven innings on a consistent basis. But when you put them in the pen and they start throwing it, you know, two, three ticks harder. Now you got a, a guy that's throwing, throwing, a much harder fastball and usually has like one or two really good pitches, but doesn't have the other ones. And that's great for a reliever. So, you know, King clay Holmes, the other guy I like is Jorge Lopez that popped up for Baltimore. Um, they're kind of like those guys. Josh Hader was that guy before where he was, this, mm-hmm. he was getting, you know, groomed as a starter, but they moved him to pen and he was untouchable. Kendall Graveman was that guy last year. That was a, he was a, you know, a starter that, basically kind of was just middling his whole career and then they put him in the pen and he was lights out last year. So, you know, you never really have to ever draft these guys. You know, you can, you could spend more draft capital on other areas of your team and then check on those guys early in the season, see those guys that are, you know, throwing two, three miles per hour harder that are all of a sudden in the pen and then pounce on them early. And now you got these guys that are rate ratio soothers that can give you, you know, a bunch of K's and Walter wins and saves and you got them for free basically. Yeah, I do like that. Uh, last guy here on the list uh, for me anyway, is Roddy Telez. He, he, he made my list. I think I tweeted it out last night. It was 11% last night and you said it's moved up to 30%. I, I knew my tweet kind of went viral last night, Rob, but I didn't know it went that viral. I didn't know. He was gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I think he saw it and got happy too and started hitting dingers all over the field last night. So that, that of course helped out. But whenever you look at his savant page as well, there was a lot of red there. And even the one thing, you know, I, one of the weaknesses, of course, of a power hitter is going to be his strikeouts and, and his chase speed and chase rate and all that stuff. And even those are kind of in the 50 percentile range. So it's not really down there in Joey Gallo territory by any means. You know, it's up there towards the middle half of the pack, which means Rowdy's really making some good contact right now. And when I say good contact, I'm talking about almost 100 percentile of everything else. And then he did the same things, Rob, last year. You know what I mean? Like, or maybe not last year, but two years ago, it's more of a dark red instead of a pink or more of a dark pink instead of a light pink kind of colors for him, which always tells me that there's a breakout possibly coming. And for me, it's that barrel percentage, that barrel rate, that 99%. I love it, putting the bat on the ball, letting the bat do the work, man. And and that's really what he's got right now going on. And at 11%, right, that's criminally underowned. Criminally. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So one thing. You know, with the thing I always tell people too is, if you look at max EV, it's mm-hmm. a much better, much better indicator than average EV. Um, his his is good in both, but the max EV just you know shows when you do really square up a ball, how how hard are you hitting it? Because right. there can be some noise in the average EV, like if you foul tip a ball and it goes, you know, like a little dribbler along along a third base line, they throw you out. That still counts towards it, and it doesn't really you know, show when you're getting a hold of a ball, what are you doing with it? And his, 
he's he's hitting them hard. And like you said, he his his ex woba is hundredth percentile. His ex slug is hundredth percentile. His barrel percentage is ninety ninth percentile. Max EV ninety seventh percentile. And like you said before, I mean, if you look at his years past, that Max EV top six percent of the league, top one percent of the league, top six percent of the league. I mean, this is a guy that just has constantly been a good hitter, and he's just never really gotten a full time full time role. Um, he's shown flashes. Um, stretches in the past with, I think he was with Toronto for a while and guy go more. I mean, he, he's hitting the ball hard. He's, he's doing what you want to do. Um, but yeah, he's, I, I like him a lot as well. I think when you put that, that tweet, I said something about how I, I love Rowdy Telez too. And it's funny too. He, like you mentioned with his, um, his play discipline isn't bad. And I was bummed a little bit because in one of my points leagues, I had put in a waiver for him, but he was like my, I think he was my third, um, he was my third one down and I, and I, I got my first two and I was only dropping two players. So I didn't get him and I, and I, and I missed out on his, his day yesterday, which was 23 and a half points, which is more than some of the teams scored in our (laughs) league. So um, I do have him actually. I did get him today. I put in. I had a waiver in him for him today, so I have him for today. But I'm glad you listened uh, to me, Rob. I'm glad you yeah, listened. Yeah, I to saw me. that. I saw that. And I ran to the ran to the wire instantly. I picked him up. I picked him up three days ago because I was just going through all the different ones, and and uh, Roddy Telez happened to catch my eye, and I said, "Woo, that's looking pretty red right there. I mm-hmm. like it. I like it." All right, so that, that there's our under owned. Uh, fantasy players and from the Yahoo leagues a little bit. I, I kind of went 50%. I think, Rob, I can't believe you put two relievers in there, Rob. You play in a lot of different leagues, though, than I do. Uh, <laughs> somebody else on my ball, Yandy Diaz. I'm just going to say, Yandy Diaz, if he starts if he starts elevating Love. the ball at all, at all, Yandy Diaz is going to be. I don't think he's going to ever. He, he loves to hit the bottom of the wall. That's all Man, I need. I put something out about him, too. It, it if you look at that guy, he's he's just jacked. I mean, he's he's so big. He hits his the ball so hard. Yeah, and he in he's his plate discipline is mm-hmm. insane. I think he's okay, like great. has like his yeah. I think his um his walk percentage or I know he last I checked because I ha- I do have him in a points league. He had like fourteen or fifteen walks to only like six strikeouts. It was like Juan Soto type walk walk to strikeout ratio, and the guys built huge he can he can hit the ball hard it's just like he, he for whatever reason he hasn't been able to fix that launch angle and it's like it's so frustrating because it's just one of those guys where like you said if he could fix that launch angle he's got the power he's got the raw power he's got the plate discipline he's got yeah. the eye he's in a good lineup hitting in a, in a nice spot in a good lineup and like everything's there he just has to fix that one thing and he hasn't been able to do it for years if he would, if he would have hit another home run, he hits a home run like once every ten days. And if he, mm-hmm. if he could just get it around to eight, seven or eight days for me, I would pull the trigger <laughs> real fast. I can't. He won't do it though. He won't do it. Hey, uh, that's Rob Norton with all that baseball information and that baseball knowledge at Norton zero seven two three. He is the daddy of your baby bowl. Maybe one day we'll be able to make him get a baseball bowl in there as well. We'll maybe talk about that at some other time. And you can follow me, of course, over on Twitter at Lofinet. Don't forget to follow the show at FI today with a little underscore. Big announcement coming up real soon for you. We've sent in all the paperwork. We're just waiting to get the final deal on another partnership here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network with a, a, a conglomerate, a very popular name. Everybody's going to love, and we hope to bring some uh, good good news to the listeners about something here really soon, Rob. One of the things I want to do, though, 
on this last 15 minutes or so of this podcast at the most, uh, is that pick your brain about best ball strategy because you know me. I've grown as a fantasy player. I I think, you you know, whenever you play in your leagues, you know, that you had before you got invested in all these other leagues that are way out there, you know, just your little home league, I, I was pretty good, man. I was in the championship games every year. I was always doing well. I knew a little bit more than everybody else did, it felt like. And then I get out of here with all you big dogs, all you sharks swimming around in the sea. And I felt like a little <laughs> bitty old fish. And I've learned a lot. And a lot of people have really helped me. And I could list off a armful of names of people who have been so generous and kind with their time and also with their knowledge and sharing it with me. And you've been one of those people, Rob. And one of the things I want to do better this year is best ball. I want to do best ball better. To me, I was always looking too much for the home run hitter in best ball mm. and maybe not the consistent hitters. Is there a way to do that better? Like, should I mix it up more? Uh, maybe like, you know, depending on how big it is, of course, half half consistent, half boomers, because it just really feels like the boom thing is what I want to get in best balls. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's tough because it, you really do want to balance um, the boom, the boom guys, the, and that, that's the thing is that people think you know the boom guys are the guys. The problem is that when you have those boom guys, if all of them bust in the same week, that's that's when it gets really tough. But oh, yeah, that's a big problem. Yeah, um, but those kind of guys, though, you know, are like what everyone wants to say, you know, better in best ball type of thing. Um, because you don't have to choose when to start them. They just start on the weeks that they blow up. So that is the nice part about those guys. Now, my biggest advice to people on best ball and full disclosure is that I haven't done, I know there's a bunch of people that have done a ton of best ball already. Um, I haven't done any best ball so far just cause I've, I've been so focused on baseball, but with best ball strategy, my, your, your main thing is to really focus on roster construction huh. um and what i mean by that is basically if you do take so, so there because you, you can win any 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 different way um you know some people swear by zero rb some people swear by you know heavy rb hero rb whatever you want to you know zero wide receiver however you want to whatever strategy you want to go with but there's there's plenty of different ways to win. It's just a matter of if you do go one way, you have to follow through fully with the rest of that draft that way. So if you take a bunch of running backs in the beginning, you don't really, you don't want to take, do not, I, in, in best ball, I never take my own running backs handcuff. Like if I take my running back in the first two rounds, I will never mm -hmm. ever take that guy's handcuff in a best ball because the thing is, is that if, if you're playing in a best ball that you're trying to beat a hundred thousand other people, you need everything to go right. So if you're taking a, a handcuff running back at, at the end of, you know, it, say round 10 to 15, that's a zero. Uh, that's a zero because you're planning as if you're, you're drafting it as if your first round pick and second round pick went off. So then if that happens, then your handcuff, didn't do well where and then and in the vice versa scenario you're saying oh well i'm taking this handcuff in case my guy doesn't do well well if your guy if your first and second round pick don't do well you're you're just not going to do well against someone else who <laughs> whose first and second round pick did well and their 10th round pick does well so 
in best ball, in, in regular redraft, I'm fine taking my own handcuff depending on who it is. Um, but in, in, um, best ball, I will never take my own handcuff. So I will, I will take other people's. And that's the point of it is because I want, I want to optimize my possible results. So say I take, you know, say, or say I take McCaffrey in the beginning of round one, I'll take Alexander Madison later in the draft, because then if Dalvin Cook goes down and McCaffrey stays healthy, well, guess what? I have McCaffrey and Madison and whoever else I pick. Now my team is loaded and that's what you want. That's, that's the idea behind it. So that's what I mean, I guess, by that. Um, the other, the other aspect of that is I do prefer taking at least one running back in rounds one or two. Um, and I'm even looking at some, I'm looking at some charts from Hayden Winks, who's one of the best out there in terms of best ball and best ball analysis and just the regular, I mean, analysis in, in general, but he has a chart out there showing, you know, which, which teams, how teams did with running backs drafted through certain rounds of, of, of the draft in best ball mania last year. Hmm. Um, basically he, he has like everyone who took running backs in round two. That was, that was the key. They, their teams on average scored more than anyone else. Um, which we see a lot of times. And when, and if you took a rounding back in round one, even with the bust rate of the running backs in round one, those teams still scored slightly above average. And that's with like a lot of those high end guys going down or not, not performing. But when you think about the round two guys that were last year's guys like Eckler, uh, Mixon, trying to think of the other ones that really went off, but a lot of, a lot of those kind of guys, Oh, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. yeah. Um, So you're looking at guys like that. And that's the thing is that, yeah, it's riskier, but the thing is, is when those guys go off, oh. there's there's nothing better than having having had that guy that goes off, and it just gives you such a huge advantage over people who took someone else who was just okay in those rounds. Okay. So that's that's kind of where where I go with it. But again, it's it's really a lot of just roster construction. Make sure you you build based on that. So if you again, if you take two running backs early, you can kind of ease up and take a lot of wide receivers from round three to six. And that's, that's really what you want to do. A lot of times mm-hmm. um, rounds two to six, maybe, and you take a running back around one or two and then, you know, something like that. And then kind of fill it out from there. And if you take, if you take a, an elite quarterback early, maybe only take one more of the rest of the draft or, and make sure it's late. Um, so it's all about roster construction based on what you've done so far. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can see that. And I, I see how there could be advantages to that other than my best ball strategy, which every time I made a pick, I would just go, boom, there's a boom, <laughs> there's another boom. You know, that's, that's kind of how I was. And when we talk about best ball, uh, we're talking about whenever you draft a whole team, a whole team, and it depends on the size, of course, but you draft a whole and, and player and, and, and league construction, but you draft a whole team and then you don't make any more moves to it the rest of the year. So you're looking for those guys. What about rookies, Rob? Because it seems like to me, rookies are always, they get lost. And it depends on how you do your settings going into the draft room a little bit, whether or not you're doing it as projected settings or last year's stats or anything like that. Don't you always want to mix in some of those rookies for like later on in the year when maybe playing time goes up a little bit? Yeah, definitely. And it, and we're starting to see 
rookies are seem to be coming into the league more and more ready every year and they're getting better and better. And actually running backs, especially, I mean, we've already known that running backs was a, was a young man's game, but they are definitely um, very heavily steering towards first, second year guys and third year guys are, are kind of the key. Um, we're not seeing like a ton of running backs, even get it, getting big second contracts and and that's when they start falling off so the rookie running backs especially are are, are guys to look at because a lot of times they end up being great value and then like i said the the wide receivers are coming in more and more ready i mean we have we i don't know if we've just been spoiled by jamar chase and justin jefferson the last two years and it seems like that but there's been so many young yeah. receivers that have done so well i mean even beside them like you know, you're looking at McLaurin, DK Metcalf, all those, all those guys. So, um, you know, there's, and then this, this draft, there's a lot, there was like, what, I think six first round receivers and yeah, uh, went fast. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of opportunities for a lot of young guys. So, um, there's definitely could be some guys that really, really help out this year. So it's definitely nice to mix them in if you can. Yeah. And I can't wait for that Trey Sermon kind of pick this year to happen yeah <laughs> trace sermon breakout this year this year is gonna be trace sermon break all right so that's good i like that a little uh, best ball strategy going on right now rob and that's wonderful that's fantastic i i need to get off of here i need to go look for some nick costellinos news uh is that how you say it costellinos costellanos i think it's castellanos Castell- but it's always been it's all in Castellanos. our home league. It's always been Castillo Mama because I got him in a. I, I traded for him one year, and that was the year when he really broke through. And so it's it always been Castillo Mama for us. I, I like it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of, of him. So what's your I, team I name? Like do, you, do you are you very creative on your baseball team names? Um, not not. Oh, I had I the one year I went all Sandlot based. Um. Okay. You know the the movie the kids movie well. Yeah, I don't know, kids movie Sandlot or whatever. I named every every one of my teams after each of the people, each of the characters. So like, I still have that. I still have one of them in that points league. And so my name's my team name is Squints Paladoras. Mm-hmm. But okay. I had one year I had all of them, all all of them. <laughs> Benny, I had one team named Benny the Jet or whatever. And yeah. so all my all my teams on Yahoo at that time were named after that. So other than that though, like the ones on nfbc and things like that they're they're all just um my, yeah they're just named after my my twitter handle and then my other one of my keepers i have is called is named ken griffey slugfest but um, I, yeah, I change my name i change my names all the time i don't i don't leave it the same i i've been okay. king kwan in one league roto daddy in in, in the you know that same league uh i think i think now i'm yeppers i i, I picked up the kid yeppers in that oh, okay. league, uh, that for you know, Josh Yepers, what's what's his Yepes? Oh, Juan Juan Yepes. Juan oh, yeah, Yepes. from uh, St. Louis. Yeah, first third base mm-hmm. eligible. Uh, so I called myself the Yepers now. And then in the other <laughs> league, uh, it's Rowdy's House, is what it is. It's just Rowdy's House. I like house. that. 
I yes, like it. sir. Hey, thank you so much for listening to us here on the Baby Bowl podcast on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. That was the daddy of the Baby Bowl himself, uh, Rob Norton at Norton0723. You can also find him uh, over there on the Rasball tournaments and everything with the same little handle at Norton0723. Make sure you give him a follow over there on Twitter. And I thank you so much, Rob, for joining me again tonight. And I love talking baseball with you. We've talked a little football and a little best ball strategy. I, I can't wait to get in those best ball rooms. And if people follow you, they can join those are you going to be doing that again this year or is it going to be yahoo ones or were you going to you going to do underdog ones underdog's been very popular in best ball yeah it'll probably be more underdog than uh than yahoo um and again probably that i would start doing that more around june july-ish in that range again is when i'll well when i'll start uh kind of shifting a little bit of focus but okay. yeah i'll definitely be doing them again I'm itching to start drafting, cuz I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I'm itching to start drafting. I gotta learn all these names all over again. But it's good, it's fun. You can follow me over there on Twitter as well, at Lopenit. Don't forget to slap those stars around. Uh, don't forget to leave a little review or however you listen to us, wherever you listen to us on. Just leave a review. That always means a lot to us. And it means a lot to those people too, uh, on those platforms, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or anything like that. It means a lot for those people as well. But more importantly than all those actions, we always want to encourage you to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today.